when I got hurt was when I heard it was reopening and they never got in touch with any of us. No one called us. No one called me to say, oh, sorry, we don't have money yet, but we're trying to reopen and we're, if you want, you can get your job back and we'll just pay you money eventually. No one contacted us. And that's, I think that's the thing that has hurt most of us. Today on Dirty Linen, we are sticking with the story of Red Spice Road and the people that used to work there. Today, we're talking to Aslan Mukhtar, who a year ago was in a very different position to the position that he's in now. Aslan, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Annie. Well, I'm really thrilled to have you here. Thank you. So tell me what your job is at the moment. Um, unfortunately, because of my confidentiality agreement with the employer, I can't discuss in detail what I do, but I can tell you this, that I've been a frontline worker since the pandemic almost started. I've been working in the hotel quarantine and health hotel management since July last year. I'm in the management of that. Wow. Um, I mean, it's so interesting. <laughs> this is going to be tricky to talk about, but I yeah. didn't realize that there would be such confidentiality around that important, <laughs> crucial, very <laughs> in the news work. Yeah, I know. I know. But, uh, but I can tell you that um, it's been a roller coaster of ride, but I've never for, for a minute have felt unsafe or felt that we're not doing something worthwhile. Um, yeah, it's been a good experience for me. And um, yeah, it's, I'm, it's, I've, it's been nice. Wow. I mean, you never know where the road's going to take you, do you? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure. I never thought even, I would do that. If uh, we'd even heard the words health hotel or hotel quarantine a year ago, we would have needed a, a big explanation about what that even meant. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, one thing that I'm really excited about um, in that whole arena is that frontline workers are starting to get vaccinated. Um, yeah. ha- is that coming up for you? Yeah, I'm supposed to get my job any day now. That's so good. How do you feel about yeah. that? Um, I I have firm belief in science and what it has done for us. I'm not going to... And I've seen a lot of my friends and colleagues have taken the jabs and they feel fine. <laughs> yeah, great. I'm yeah. really excited to get mine. I'm, I'm a yeah. long way down the queue. Yeah. I'm not doing important work like you, but um, I will be so grateful for it yeah. when yeah. it comes. And yeah, I'm yeah. so excited for my parents to be vaccinated. So yes. yeah, it's um, yes. really feels like a positive turning point in this, in this whole situation. It is, it is. We, and the medical prof- professionals that I've been working with, um, they are professionals. They, they, are, they know what they're doing. And um, they feel pretty confident about this. So I'm, I, if anyone's listening who's still like curious about it, I would say, yeah, take it. Take the shot when you get it. Definitely. I think we're, we're so lucky to um, even be talking about a vaccine only a year after the pandemic, I guess, ripped its way around the world. Yeah. Uh, um, so, Aslan, tell us about what you were doing a year ago. Oh, a year ago, a year ago I was excited about that 
about being in the management of a venue which is going to create history by being one of the biggest venues of Melbourne. It's a two-story venue which um, in which you get same level of service no matter where you're sitting, um, same level of uh, care that we serve with, same level of quality of food and drinks. Um, no matter if you're in a group of 20 or if you're by yourself. And we were just excited and thinking about how this is going to be a great journey. And what was the title of your role at Red Spice Road? Um, so I've worked for the company in, in management positions at all three different venues, Red Spice Road, QV, Burma Lane, and the Red Spice Road, McKillop Street, which eventually became Queen Street. And uh, my last uh, official designation was assistant manager, res- assistant restaurant manager. That is a big job at such a big restaurant. It is, it is a big job, but because of the team we had, I never felt like overwhelmed. If you needed help, you asked for it, you got it. So that's how we operated throughout the our company. Um, my manager, Varun and Christian, they were very helpful throughout my journey as well. And that trickled down to the staff as well. Like if staff needed help, we were always there. I was always there. My supervisors were always there. Mm. Uh, even though the designation seemed big or like overwhelming, it was because of the way we operated, never felt alone. Yeah, that's good. It sounds like you really believed in what you were doing. Yeah, yeah, because for me it was, I never grew up doing in hospitality or had someone close who worked in hospitality. I worked in corporate sector um, before I, yeah, and my I come from a business family who have different businesses, factories and whatnot. Um, so it was very interesting thing and nice for me and I enjoyed I I found this by luck hospitality and I fell in love with it didn't leave it for five straight years when I could have like went to I have a master's in accounting I could have got could have gone into accounting could have gone into marketing I have a marketing degree stuck with this the company and the industry because I believed in it Mm, amazing what is your family background where where is your family from so I'm from Pakistan. I grew up in Pakistan um, from a city called Lahore in Pakistan. Fantastic city. I love it. Um, and um, it's pretty, it's very different growing up in a country like Pakistan, as you can yeah. imagine. Um, so everything was culture shock for me. But being part of this family, I would say, of Red Spice Road, who accepted me, um, I don't know why at the start because I walked, I literally walked up to the door and there was a supervisor at the time, Alan Badro, who's still like my best mate. He, he, he saw me, he saw my smile, saw my resume. He was like, okay, come in for a trial. Mm. And I had a trial when I could like carry food and drop it on the right table. And they're like, yep, we'll train you. And uh, that's I, great. Yeah. And I thought I would just do it because I was studying at the time. So I thought I would just do it for a bit and then leave it. But I fell in love with it. Eventually, because I had no knowledge, I didn't even know there were two colors of wine when I entered this country. Okay. That's how, like, knowledgeable I was. But then I, because 
I like researching and studying and looking at new things and exploring stuff. So I studied everything. I read books, looked up online, learned each and everything, how things are made, how each and every alcohol is made, went for a bunch of trainings and whatnot. And yeah, they helped me. The company and the management at the time always supported my Whatever I dabbled in, they supported me. I guess, you know, curiosity is, um, yeah, always going to lead you to, yeah, knowledge and yeah. experience, yeah, find, yeah, help you um, help you help other people and lead people, lead other people down, down that journey yeah. of discovery. Yeah. So uh, what's your visa status at the moment, Aslan? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the messed up part right now. So at the time, last year, this time, I had applied for my permanent residency already. So I applied for my residency in 2019, which I was due to get last year sometime. Um, so I was just on a temporary residency at the time, visa, TRV485. But my wife she um, wanted to do PhD or do a master's in teaching, which she is doing now. So she started, she took admission in master's in teaching, which, which we, we were like, yeah, just do it. And eventually I'll get my residency. We won't have to worry about hefty fees again, because I ended up paying around $70,000 for my degree earlier in 2015 to 17. 70,000? Um, yeah, around that point, because wow. for international students, it's crazy, crazy tuition fees. Yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, that's fine. You can start studying. At least if I had the residency, you won't have to pay that much. But because of the COVID and everything and the um, government sort of like increased the points for residency for accountants, to a point that no one really can get it. Um, so luckily she was already studying masters. So we changed our visa from when my visa ended to her student visa. So I'm on her, I'm a dependent on her student visa because she was doing masters from RMIT here. Okay. So the 485 visa that you're on, that's a temporary graduate visa, isn't it? So it's like the visa that yeah. you go on to after you've completed your studies and yes. it allows you to work um, and live here. Yeah. Full time. So, so your visa wasn't tied to your employment with, um, no, with the Apples and Pears group that owns Red Spice Road. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. Like it wasn't. And that's what, so you know how everyone's you've been hearing stories and everyone's have had made sacrifices. I would think that my sacrifice was that I because I believed in the company and the people I worked with and um, the job I was doing, I never got out of it. If I had taken an accounting job during my temporary residency, it would have helped with my points and I would have probably gotten my re residency by now. Mm. So so I've, I just, I thought, nah, it's fine. Uh, this is the right thing to do. And I enjoy this. So this was a sacrifice I made when I was on 485. And um, 
so what happens so we've heard from a number of people you know that worked at red spice road and went through that you know really difficult period where first you know you moved to takeaway and you know it was yeah. not everyone could stay on or definitely not full time and yeah. then there was this um, short period where people were stood down and then very soon after that you were yeah. told that the company was liquidating and the restaurant was closing as far as you knew it was closing permanently um yeah. what was that like for you I think for me, one of the worst days of me being in Melbourne for me was when we had to sit down 20, 30 staff members and just tell them that, okay, this is the last time you're going to be in the venue. This is the last time you're working here and that everyone's getting stood down and because they were casual staff uh, and they had no um, no payables from company at, at all, we couldn't offer them anything. And it was so, I was so shocked and hurt at the time. Couldn't sleep a few nights after that properly. And after that, we went on takeaway. We were like, okay, let's build this up so that we can start getting those people back. So we, we gave it all, we tried different things and everything was, it was difficult at the start because of, because of the style of food that we do, uh, we did before that, uh, it was takeaway, but we, Mo and Christian, Varun, James Taylor, who's our operations manager and Laura, um, they, yeah, they all like, we all sat down and we devised a way and it started working great. And I remember having a chat with Varun being like, I was a bit negative. And he was like, no, no, we're doing good. We're doing great now. We're making more money, which we didn't think we would. But yeah, and clearly we weren't making enough money that we were stood down. I understand that pandemic not only hit Rich Spice, it hit, hit everyone. Mm. And um, yeah, it wasn't, so bitter for me because when I was stood down because it came from Christian Price he was doing he used to sat me down and because I was part of the whole process throughout so I knew it was coming any day and we were ready mm. uh, I was me- mentally ready as well wow. um, my wife wasn't at the time but yeah it was it was emotional but I knew this this is something that that needs to happen. Um, if someone, if the company doesn't have money, they're not going to keep their stuff, which is fair. But there could have been million other like there were companies who kept their stuff and made it work through JobKeeper or whatever. Um, it was difficult time for us people like me and Will and Mo who who were not supported by government or anyone else. We were just on our own, left on our own, in the pandemic, stuck at home, not not knowing how we're going to pay the bills. Mm. And were you owed money? Did you did you get all your entitlements when the business was no. liquidated? <laughs> no. So I'm owed just under $16,000. Wow. That would have been pretty handy while you're <laughs> sitting at home with no work. How long did it take 
for you to get the work in hotel quarantine? Um, so I was stood down in April and I started the quarantine in July. So mm. like three months I was without, I ate into my savings and credit cards and, but yeah. And that too, through funny enough, that through that I got I got that job through a friend who was my supervisor at Red Spice Road at some point in the past as well. Right. It does yeah. sound like people that work at Red Spice Road tend to stick together. <laughs> they keep they yes, stay in it touch. Yes, it is. We're still in touch. I'm still in touch with someone I worked three years ago, mm. and they. And they're somewhere in Norway and they send me a message after looking at the stories and asking about how I was. So, yeah, we do tend to stick together. So if you, um, yeah, worked out your visa, at least for now, you found a job and, you know, as we all did, you know, we got through those dark yeah. months of the long lockdown and, yeah. um, you know, I guess overall things are looking better than they were six months ago. Um, yeah. What happened in January uh, when uh, you heard that Red Spice Road was, to your surprise, reopening? Yeah, so, Danny, so it's, it's, so the whole situation of Red Spice closing down and then reopening, for personally, for me, uh, this and the pandemic as well personally for me has twofold consequences or twofold I, I would imagine like the conditions that have affected a bunch of people like us first of all Red Spice Road I was I didn't have any hatred or any sort of like ill feelings for the company or the owners when I was stood down and when I did not get my entitlements from the company, I still didn't have anything like ill feelings where I didn't f want them to like suffer because they didn't pay me that my 16,000. I was like, yeah, I understand it's business. They don't have money. They can't pay me. It's yeah. I'm not on, I'm not a permanent resident. So that's fine. But the red spice, what, the whole thing when I got, when I got hurt was when it, I heard it was reopening and they never got in touch with any of us. Um, a simple message, like a call from the owners, who always like whenever I had a chat with them, they were they were like, "Oh yeah, we value loyalty and we value relationships." And I was like, "Yeah, same as I do." So that's a good match, but no. No one called us. No one called me to say, oh, sorry, we don't have money yet, but we're trying to reopen. And we're, if you want, you can get your job back and we'll pay you money eventually. No one contacted us. And that's, I think that's the thing that has hurt most of us. Um, and that has brought the feelings which we were not f feeling before. Personally, I wasn't. I, I didn't have anything against the owners. I still like have not super negative feelings towards them because they I did have a they did give me opportunities to grow in the company when it was running great. Mm -hmm. um, 
But yeah, I wish they they had approached the situation in a different way. I wish they had thought about people as well when they were thinking about business. Because who else would be better to reopen the venue than people who are running it and making tons of money before it's closed? So who else would be better to run it than Christian or Varun or Laura or Mo? Um, imagine someone like Mo who who took over and just redesigned the whole menu and made it so much better than ever before. And she worked tirelessly. All of us like um, worked crazy hours. We didn't have to. We didn't have to put in so much work. Um, the owners were only there once a month. Not even. Uh, I mean, they were, you know. Zoom meetings eventually, if they're not because they're Sydney based now. Mm. We did everything because, you know, we believed in something and we, we thought of it as our own and went extra mile every day. So I I think that's what hurt everyone the most that they never thought of us um, when they were trying to reopen. So Aslan, I don't know if, if you got an email this week, but since my story came out and we've been doing these podcasts, um, the owner has got in touch with some of the ex-employees and has said, you know, I'll paraphrase, but basically we were, we were, we're doing it for you. We're trying to reopen so we can pay you back. We're, we're about to get in touch. We were, uh, we really want you to work here if you want to. Um, but unfortunately now this attention has put that whole plan in peril and we might not be able to help yeah. you after all. Yeah. Yeah. I got that email yesterday actually. And I just felt like it was just an afterthought. They, yeah, it's, if this was not raised by people like yourself and Christian, um, this, they would, I don't think they would ever got in touch with us. If they wanted to, they had plenty of time. They have plenty of time when they could have thought, okay, since we're talking to John McClay to reopen it, maybe we should get in touch with other people who were working there and like gave their lives to it. So what do you think was going on? Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, I don't know what was going on through their mind. I think they just wanted a fresh start, which is, crazy that you want a fresh start with the old name i think i think it's kind of weird because as you said who would be better place to reopen a restaurant and such a big restaurant with so many parts to it um yep. pretty complicated for someone to walk in there cold and just go oh how do you turn that on <laughs> i know i know and yeah we were still learning because the venue is new there was still like so many things that were changing every day or making it better. So we were still learning the venue and we were still trying to f find the best ways that we can maximize the profit and not compromise the service. We were still working out what's the best lighting, what's the best lighting at this time of the day, what's the best music to play. We were, what, where's the uh, acoustics are better at what place we were still working things out, so it it'll be it'll be extremely hard for someone to just walk in there and like start from scratch. So I I don't know why they did it, 
it doesn't sound like a great business idea to have new people there. Um, yeah, and if they had got in touch, I don't know how many people would have gone back because a lot of people have are are starting their new lives, so to say, post Red Spice Road, and they've made new commitments. So, like myself, I don't think I would I would have gone back, but but it would have been nice to know that I'm not sort of betrayed. That's what I felt when I didn't get any notification or no one got in touch with me. That's what I felt betrayed. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't have gone back probably unless they, the whole team went back, I guess. Mm. So what do you, where do you think your future lies? Uh, it's hard to say with this pandemic. I am, yeah, I'm working with a company which is a subcontractor of essentially government. Um, so I'm in a management role in that company as well. So I, I'm, I don't know yet what I, what I want to do. I really, my heart is in hospitality. Um, people who know me know that I was, the, that's what I always wanted to do, just work and eventually have my own venue. So this is probably what I'll eventually do. Start my own little cafe sometime. <laughs> uh, but for now, I'm just because my wife is studying masses of teaching to teach high school kids. So for now, I'm just thinking about like supporting her in her and Davis, whatever she wants to do. Mm, that's um, nice. it, yeah. But here, I just want to say, I just want to take this opportunity to like come back to my point of this whole situation being too full for me. One was the restaurant, obviously, and how everything went with it. The other thing that I want to just use your platform to talk about is how we were left uh, cold and dry by the government. Um, when I say we, I'm just I'm talking about all the people who were not on permanent residency, and we were just told, "Oh, you can't afford, just go back home." Um, that is such a rude thing to say, uh, which government did. And we've, like, I in five years of being in Australia, I would have paid, I don't know, in the, somewhere around seventy five, seventy five, eighty thousand dollars just in Texas. Um, I I have spent sixty seventy thousand on my tuitions here. To that money went into the economy as well, and there there are hundreds and thousands of people like me, um, like international students, bring in over a billion dollars uh, into economy every year. So, but we were I had we had no support. I would also add to that your your visa expenses, and your health insurance expenses, not to mention, you know, just the money you're putting through the economy, through your living expenses. I know, I know. And like even the health insurance for most students and even the temporary residence, resident visa holders do not cover a lot. We still had to pay, even if you have full medical insurance, private health insurance, you still have to pay $500 every time you go to a hospital emergency for some reason. Um, you have to pay hundreds and thousands of dollars to doctors if you've got forbid you have something which you know which can hurt you. So we paid all that, 
I paid all that. A lot of us paid all that. All the international students, visa holders, sponsored people. And just to say to them, no, you, if you can't afford it, if you can't afford to be here, just go back home. We're not going to support you. That was, that was, yeah, that was very hurtful and rude. And it was, if it wasn't for the people around me, like Varun, Christian, James, Laura, and all the Red Spice Road family, um, I, it, it would have been very uh, detrimental for my personal mental state as well. Um, and my wife had, bear in mind, my wife had only moved here like a couple of years ago, three years ago. So I was easing her into this culture as well. And just to like tell her, okay, sorry, babe, I know, but we're not getting any support from anywhere. We just have to make do. Um, I know people who have not, who have not uh, spoke, spoken to their parents or like taking any support from their parents ever and they had to like go back home or ask money from their parents from the banks um, from their family friends and they're still in debt because of the because of the pandemic pandemic and the support that government gave to rest of the people even the people who were probably not having any input in the economy before the pandemic they were probably getting more money than they were putting in the economy before. Um, yeah, it's just, so I just want, I just hope that somewhere out there listens to it and just thinks, okay, maybe we should change our ways. At least like have sympathy. Even if you don't want to, you can't pay them because of, you know, whatever reason, have some soft corner at least for the people who, who have done, who are trying to make this their home, this mm. country their home. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, both of the situations that you speak about, there is a little bit of a, a lack of uh, understanding that the people that are impacted are actually people and they've got their lives and aspirations and things that they've been working towards and it counts as well. It's just, it's just as real and it's just as tangible and it's just, there's just as much energy and emotion and passion put into it as for someone who was born here and is you know just had the had the luck in the lottery to be an australian citizen yep i'll just give you an example um so just in the hotel circuit that i'm working circuit that i'm working right now in um there are people who are working there are mostly overseas students or uh, international visa holders, primarily because of the fact that Australian citizens are not willing to work. They have raised the salaries of of these workers up to 40% for citizens and uh, permanent residents. Still, they're having a hard time hiring people who are from Australia. And if these immigrants weren't here, these quarantine hotels couldn't be run. I assure you of that. So, and these people are keeping the country safe right now. I know. Oh my God. It's so ironic, isn't it? So I just hope that people stop and think and sympathize and like have some, some, some sort of compassion. I hope. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I hope so too. I think you've really explained it so eloquently and powerfully, Aslan. It's really, yeah, it's really a privilege to get your perspective. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm just happy to be, to have a chat with you about it. It's been sort of a catharsis for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Um, yeah, I, I know that these stories are meaning a lot to a lot of people. So thanks for being part of this series and yeah, really wish you all the best. And I look forward to coming to your cafe one day. <laughs> you will always be welcome. Thank you so much, Danny. <laughs> thanks, Aslam. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production. Yeah, I might just have to take a short break for my dog because...